Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. It is Tuesday, February 20th, 2018, and I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist. With me today is Jeremy Hawkins in London. So, Jeremy, what's new on your side of the pond? Well, I think focus this week is going to be um, an update on how the Eurozone economy is performing. Um, we'll get an early look at uh, just what's been going on this month um, via the flash February PMIs. They're due out on Wednesday. Um, expected to show little change from what were very strong January readings, which I suppose if we take them at face value, pointed to the best regional growth we've had in the best part of 12 years or so. And I suppose if sustained at January's level, then the composite output index should be in line with something around about the 1% quarter-on-quarter increase in real GDP. So in sort of US terms, that would be up with a 4% season-adjusted annualised growth rate for the first quarter. So at the moment, at least purely on the basis of these surveys, it looks as if uh, the Eurozone real GDP at the beginning of the year has um, held up extremely well. That said, and I think it's always worth pointing out with these PMIs and the various surveys, there has been a tendency, certainly over the last half year or so, for the PMIs in particular to overestimate the kind of growth figures pointed out by the hard data. Now, we don't really have any hard data at all at the moment for the first quarter. So uh, assuming we do get strong figures for these PMIs um, on Wednesday, you just, just try, take them with a bit of caution because they may well be overstating what's actually going on in the card data themselves. Otherwise, this week, and, and also, I suppose, just going back to the PMI, inflation, obviously, it's something we can't get away from, or the lack of inflation in the Eurozone at the moment, and it's the ECB's biggest bugbear. Um, it's worthwhile looking at these PMI surveys, not just for the headline data themselves, but in particular what they say about pipeline infla- inflation pressures. According to the January survey, they suggested that both input cost and output price inflation were around about their highest rates since, what, the mid-2011 time. But again, it hasn't been reflected in the hard data. Now, um, this Friday, we'll get the final January HICP, the Consumer Price Index for the Eurozone. And that's it's just the final data, so it's unlikely to show anything particularly new. But it's worthwhile keeping on the core figures. They do get revised sometimes. And obviously, any upshift would be good news as far as the euro is concerned. Uh, were they to be revised down, that's going to give the ECB even more of a headache and certainly could unsettle the euro a little bit further. With regards to the ECB, Thursday we'll also get the uh, minutes from January's central bank meeting. Really nothing at all happened in that to the extent that markets are a bit disappointed. They were hoping for a slightly tighter um, forward guidance or at least some kind of definitive deadline for quantitative easing. They received neither. There may be a little bit in the minutes to suggest that perhaps it wasn't as clear-cut a decision as the meeting itself suggested, but otherwise I wouldn't really see too much coming out of that. For the UK, um, well, the February Bank of England meeting, of course, dropped sizable hints about another hike in bank rate being not very far away. So Wednesday's labour market report will probably be the, the principal market focus, excuse me, as far as this week's concerned. Anything which suggests that wages are accelerating will be seen as increasing the likelihood of bank rate going up again in May, with at least the outside chance that we could see a move as early as the March meeting. Lastly, since I can't really finish without mentioning good old Brexit, 
Um, we'll have some kind of political punch-up taking place at the government's country retreat, so-called checkers, on Thursday. That will have the Prime Minister getting her entire cabinet together and really trying to thrash out what the heck they're going to say to the European Union and come out with a cohesive line. At the moment, the divisions between you know, the pro-Brexit and the anti-Brexit ranks uh, within government are as far apart as ever. Uh, that also seems to be true, true between the UK and the European Union itself. So there may be something coming out of that, but at the moment, it's Brexit is certainly just showing a few signs now that it's not going as, as well as people might have hoped given summer developments at the start of the year. And it starts, certainly starts to make some of the UK equity, bond and particularly sterling markets look that little bit nervous. That's my lot. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, in the US... Uh, Fed watchers and those who usually don't watch will be parsing every syllable of the FOMC minutes from the January 30th and 31st meeting when they release are released tomorrow afternoon. That's Wednesday, U.S. Eastern Time. What do you think the readers will be looking for? Well, they will be focused on the inflation discussion, given that the FOM statement, which was released at the conclusion of the meeting, appeared to upgrade the inflation outlook. Since the Fed meeting, January wage growth was up 2.9% on the year after increasing 2.5% December. And CPI inflation, the the core was up an unchanged 1.8% on the year. These have surprised on the upside and add to that Congress, Congress is re, re, reaching a deal to raise spending in the next two years, add to the pressures. This is likely to reinforce the impact of any hawkish surprise on market expectations. I think the Fed watchers will also be looking for comments from Jerome Powell just before his elevation to the chair of the Federal Reserve. Good news from Japan on the other side of the Pacific. And that was the reappointment of Harakiko Kuroda to serve a second, a second five-year term as governor of the Bank of Japan, a signal that easy money monetary policies will continue in Japan. Kuroda's current term ends at the end of April. The appointment was interpreted as a sign that Premier Shinzo Abe's confidence in the governor, governor's efforts to stimulate the economy out of a stagnation. The deputies' terms, which run coincident with the governor, were also nominated, both known for their easy monetary policies. Last night, or today, depending upon where you are geographically, the Reserve Bank of Australia published minutes from its February 6th meeting. The policy interest rate has been 1.5% since August 2016. The minutes show that the RBA remains cautiously optimistic about the outlook. Despite relatively subdued growth in wages and consumer spending, the bank retained its forecast that economic growth would pick up to an average of a little above 3% and that unemployment would continue to fall over the next two years. That said, that would eventually drive a gradual increase in consumer price inflation to a little above 2% in 2018. The RBA governor, Philip Lowe, 
provided a more up-to-date summary of his views about economic and policy outlook in a public appearance. In these comments, he noted that if unemployment falls and inflation rises in line with the current RBA forecasts over the coming year, then he believes at some point it will be appropriate to have less monetary stimulus, and then he believes interest rates in Australia will remove up. That's it for me. And before you disappear, if I can just rack your brains, you're talking about the easy monetary policy expect to be continued in Japan. And yet we've seen you know, the yen be one of the best currency performers, particularly amongst the industrialized countries group anyway, so far this year. And so with a couple of points, you know, one, why do you think the yen's performing so well? And two, you know, does the appreciation we've seen so far this year have any concerns as far as um, you know, the, the, the central bank's concern? Right. The yen is around $1.06 as we speak, uh, $1.06 I should say. Um, it There are people writing that it's going to be at parity, i.e. 100. Um, it's, the yen is regarded as a safe haven in times of uncertainty. And given some of the issues in the U.S., with possible inflation, um, that bond yields and government uncertainties, um, people are fleeing the dollar for the yen on a safe haven basis. The economy in Japan has sort of disappointed in the latest data. Uh, the CPI for January, which is due out on Thursday night Eastern time, uh, is expected to slip back to 0.8% on the year from 0.9%. And GDP growth in the December quarter was up only a tenth of a percent quarter on quarter or at a 0.5% annualized rate. And that's down from a 2.5% annualized rate in the three months to September. So, the discussion on both sides, but uh, today the markets are down, for example, in the U.S., uh, coming back from a long weekend. Without the U.S. yesterday, most stock indices also depreciated, were down rather. Anything else, Jeremy? That's fine for me. Thank you. Speak to you next week.